I'm very excited about what you're doing with this. Oh my God, I'm so excited. It just came to me and you know, we're doing it now. Oh, hey, thank you, you Tanya. Nice to see you. Nice yes. to see you yes. again. Wonderful Please. to see you. Yes, as well. Right this way. Thank you. Thank you. Feel the dish. Thank you, Miss Tanya. Of course. Mm -hmm. And then we have a Pinot Noir from Oregon, Woman Valley. Very good. Welcome, ladies. Thank We're you. so excited to have you here today at Sea Salt for our tasting menu. Chef has prepared something very nice. But before the food is served, I thought we could go a little bit over the utensils on the table. So as you can see to the left of you, you have all your forks and your bread and butter plate. Remember, whenever passing to someone else, you always do it counterclockwise. It's the more appropriate way to do it. Whenever you need to leave the table, make sure that you always excuse yourself. There's no reason that needs to be given besides excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, usually when your first course is served, the way the meal is presented is it would be the furthest fork from or the closest fork to you or the furthest fork from the place setting itself or then the dish. The spoon is usually used for a soup course. In your tasting menu today, you do not have a soup course, but it's used as an additional accessory to your pasta course. Not everybody uses a spoon with pasta, but it's there in case you decide to. The two silverwares up top, which is your dessert fork and spoon, you pull them to your sides. They're set appropriately for when the dessert is served and it's something you use at very last. Regarding your beverage, you always have your coffee served to the right of you. If you do not like coffee, you could always ask for iced tea instead. Your water glass always comes next, followed by wines in order of serving them. We're gonna be starting with a Sancerre, a white wine, for your first course, as well as your second course. Moving on to your third course, which is the entree, we'll move on to a red wine. You're more than welcome to peer over to a server to get an additional refill at any time needed, and just quietly with a gesture. Do we have any questions so far? Thank you. Great, well, we look forward to serving your meal today. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Linda, I'm so happy that you joined us today. You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to record this podcast episode is I went to several different uh, fundraising events, both lunch and dinners, and I noticed the 20-something-year-olds and the 30-something-year-olds that were sitting next to me, they had no idea which utensil to use. And it prompted me that I wanted to do something about it. I wanted to record a podcast. So if someone's embarrassed, they're at a di dinner or an event, they would know the proper etiquette and what utensils to use. What a, what a fabulous idea to make yeah. that. And I guess it's not just um, the young girls, but you know, it could be anybody really, really um, that needs to learn the proper etiquette. Yeah, that's really important. I think that's not something that we, we, it comes natural to us. It's not something that we learn in school. Our chef's um, featured salad, it's apple and white Vermont cheddar with Marcana almonds. Wonderful, thank you. Thank I think dining etiquette is very important. It's not something natural and it's not something they teach in high school. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to record this podcast episode so that people from the comfort of their own home, they can learn dining etiquette, which utensils to use when dining at fundraising events because season is around the corner. Sure.
And Tamika, in addition to the proper dining etiquette, one of my biggest pet peeves is when you go to an event and they have these wonderful speakers, people at your table talking, talking to you, talking amongst themselves. And number one, it shows disrespect to the speaker. Uh, and also it shows disrespect to the fellow uh, diners at your table because they're trying to pay attention right. to uh, what is being spoken of. Exactly. Now that we're at this fundraising event, one of the ways to engage in a conversation, especially if someone you don't know, is just ask them what are their name and what's their affiliation with the organization. So Tamika, when we're at these functions, can you suggest something proper for people to discuss amongst themselves? Yes, absolutely. You always start by introducing yourself. And then you can follow up with the question is, how are you, how are you involved in the organization? You know, another thing that um, will make someone smile is to compliment them. If you like their hair, something they're wearing, or if they're just absolutely gorgeous, you could just tell them they're absolutely gorgeous. Who doesn't love a compliment? Absolutely. <laughs> You're gorgeous. Oh, right back. <laughs> See, I have made you smile. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, asking somebody how they've gotten involved in the organization is very eye-opening. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to another point. I think if you are at a particular fundraiser for that particular organization, you shouldn't talk about other organizations right. at that point that you're involved with because I think that shows disrespect mm -hmm. to the host of, of that particular event. And the networking that you make and the connections that you make, at a later time I think you can use to talk about other interests that you have and other uh, wonderful uh, nonprofits that we have here in Naples, but um, that's that's something else I think that's important as well. Right, that's very important because um, when you're asked about someone else or you're interested in something else, that generally lets people know that it's not about you. You're here for this organization. You're there to support them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and like our our parents would always say, there's a time and place for everything. You're absolutely right about that, yes, for sure. Yes. And it certainly is amazing, all of the amazing speakers that they seem to find uh, for these uh, fundraising events. Yes, especially the ones, for example, the Shelter for Abused Women and Children. I know you've been involved in the organization for, how long has it been? Uh, about eight years now. Oh, eight years, yes. eight years, wow. And I know that sometimes they bring the survivors of domestic violence or who share their story, which is very impactful. Oh, absolutely. Yes, the last uh, person that we had, I was so proud of her. Um, you know, it takes an average of seven times for a person to leave their abuser. Wow. Most people would be very shocked to hear that. Wow. And um, there's a, a big problem with uh, domestic violence, even in a community such as Naples. Mm -hmm. We have a Women of Means program for um, women of means that find themselves in this situation. And um, the success rate that we have is just, um, it, it's wonderful. We offer probably anything that a person can need to um, be successful on their own. Once leaving your right, right. So, the, so empowerment is very important because what's the saying? You give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach him how to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. And I think that's what the shelter does Absolutely. for men, women, and children You're who right, abuse. It is an yes. empowerment-based program. Yes, a lot of these people, because 
I say people, sometimes it could be a man in an abusive relationship as well, um, has been controlled for so long that the program that uh, they have there is one of empowerment. Mm -hmm. And what's great about fundraising events is, yes, sometimes we put on a really great party and we want it to be entertaining, but we know why we're there. We're there to support the organization so that they have the resources to make an impact in the lives of people who need it the most. That's right. And they need these resources because all of these programs are free to the participants. That's what I love so much about nonprofit sector. And I feel like I'm extra blessed because I get to work with multiple different types of nonprofits, anywhere from um, HIV, a mobile health clinic, a clinic where uh, the doctors understand the culture of their patients as well as speak their language. Um, Vitilago, I have a client in Tampa. So it's so many great organizations that does so much work in the community that I don't know where our society would be without it. Absolutely. And uh, what impresses me as well is I've had a couple of friends that started their own nonprofits out of the goodness of their heart, but they had no idea yes. what was really involved. Yes. And I was so excited and pleased to be able to introduce them to you. You did. To help them learn how to begin, how to grow their nonprofit. And um, I think it's an amazing service that is so needed that you offer. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I love being that person to, I call them my babies because um, they don't really understand is that they started a business. And then also that business is, happens to be a nonprofit, but guess what? It's still a business. We need to have a mindset of running it like a business. So, so thank you for all that you do. You're welcome. And thank you for your support. This is our first course. And as Tanya said, we start, we work our way out. So we start here and we dig in. Another aspect that is very important is RSVP. Wow. And you'd be surprised how many people don't think that they need to RSVP. Mm -hmm. So they show up at the last minute and the host of the event always wants to accommodate everybody to right. the best of their ability. Mm -hmm. So they scramble to accommodate, to accommodate yeah. them, yes. And sometimes people don't get in because there just is not room. And sometimes it just creates a little something that shouldn't necessarily have to be for the host. So remember, when you get that invitation yes. to RSVP. And RSVP by the deadline. I don't know why people like to wait to the last minute. It happens all the time, yes. Yeah, and that would make it so much easier on the uh, coordinator, and the nonprofit, if they know, because it's you know there's an expense incurred if there's food and then there's drinks involved. It's very important to have a really great count as to who's going to be there. Absolutely. So you would leave it at the ten and four position. That signifies to the server that you're finished with your meal. For your second course today, we have penne pasta with grana padano cream and speck ham. Bon appetit. Thank you. Cheers, Tamika. Cheers. A wonderful idea. Yes, thank you. And we cheers. Is there a specific way or you can cheers any way you want? Well, actually, you should cheers by looking the person that you're cheering in the eye. Okay. 
And I teach all my friends that, and it just, it's much more meaningful than just clinking and not paying attention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then as far as the wine, do we switch it around? Are you supposed to smell it first and then taste it? Perhaps Tanya can give us a little more insight on that. Oh, very refreshing, lovely. of flavors is just mm -hmm. perfect. Three, two, one. Hi, ladies. Um, so in Sisol restaurant, we have over 100 of varieties of artisanal salts. Um, some of them are natural, some of them are handmade. Um, so today our chef uh, presents three salts that he feels um, pairs the best with our seasonal menu. In front of you, you'll have the red salt is the um, red clay Hawaiian. The middle salt, the yellow color, is saffron infused with pink peppercorns. And the last salt we have is the pink Himalayan. Mm. Let's enjoy our bread basket. We have um, white ciabatta bread. We have a multi-grain and olive bread with Italian um, breadsticks. Um, please don't forget, you can pair it uh, very nicely with our truffle uh, honey butter mm -hmm. and um, our own private label of the 100% uh, extra virgin olive oil from Italy. Wonderful. Enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Put your olive oil. Mm -hmm. And then I like to try all three. Oh. Shouldn't have been. Everything goes to the right, right? That should go to the right. For your third course today, so for your third course today, we have pan roasted bronzino filet with mixed mushrooms and carrot puree. Mm. Enjoy. Thank you. Are there um, many not new nonprofits starting up? Oh, every day, every day. I get the calls all the time. And you know, Linda, I actually talk more people out of starting a nonprofit than starting one. And because a lot of them don't realize that they're starting a business and they actually need startup capital. So what I recommend them do, first start a business, become very successful in your, in your business, then start a foundation. So now you look great, you have a business, you have a foundation. So guess what? Your clients know you have this foundation and naturally pours over into your for-profit business. For example, I have a client that's actually a for-profit. She has a, a medical concierge business and she started a nonprofit. 
She said she gets more business by doing speaking engagements about her nonprofit into her concierge practice. But when she advertises for her business in the newspaper, she doesn't get any business. So it's kind of like one hand washes the other. So mm -hmm. I recommend starting a successful business unless you already have money. And then you can invite your wealthy friends to a party and get them involved. But if you're struggling and you're working a nine to five, a nonprofit is a business and it's a full time business and it needs startup capital. And they don't realize that. So no one wants to give to an organization that has a mentality of scarcity. They want to see abundance. So if you're begging, then who wants to give to that? So they want to see things that are already successful and then they jump on board with it. And do you have a, a certain way that you tell these startups how they could maybe um, reach out and get people to donate money for their startup? Absolutely. So first, I, I always say when you're putting your board together, do not put your friends and family on the board. Now, if you want to do that just to achieve your nonprofit status, but after that, create a board matrix and be intentional about the diversity that you need on your board. Now, when I say diversity, that's not race, that's not ethnicity, that's different talents and skill sets that people bring to the board. People who can get, give, and leverage your organization. So they're ambassadors for your organization. Mm -hmm. Number two, I always recommend your first fundraiser should be with your board. If your board doesn't make an investment in an organization, how would you expect someone else to make that investment? Good point. So your first fundraiser should always be your board with an annual commitment, even if it's $1 uh -huh. or $100. Uh -huh. So when you become grant ready, guys, that's right, just because you start a nonprofit does not mean you're ready and eligible to apply for grants because a lot of grantors want to see you have skin in the game and you've been self-sufficient for at least two years and they're starting to ask for a financial audit. They want to see those. They want to see that you're fiscally responsible. So you have your board commitment. Now, within that commitment, your board does not only just give to your organization, they need to bring in at least one or two donors per year. Doesn't matter the amount. And we can continue to build upon that momentum. And that's how you start to grow your nonprofit. It makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of organizations think, let's have events, 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 events. Events are great, but they're actually friend raising. Events are the most expensive way to raise money because it requires a lot of staff time and then expenses. So if you have, say, a dinner, more than likely, if you're in Southwest Florida, you have to have the alcohol. <laughs> they want their alcohol. So that can get very pricey. Mm -hmm. So if you do have an event, stick to one or two signature events. And then after the event, what is the plan afterwards? What's the follow-up? Who are we gonna follow up with? Who are we gonna invite for coffee? Mm -hmm. We wanna transfer those relationships. So for example, if you are a sponsor and your sponsorship comes with five tickets, guess what? Those are your relationships, Linda. It's not the relationship of the organization. So what the organization should do is work on transferring those relationships. So if they get an email address or a telephone number, mm -hmm. We should be following up with those donors to transfer the relationship. Because guess what? If Linda goes away and decides your nonprofit is not something that she's passionate about anymore, you want to try to keep her friends if you can. Mm. So transferring those relationships are very important. Getting them involved, getting them engaged. And then that's how you continue to organically grow your nonprofit. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> mm.
this on the plate as well? Because this is if I had soup, right? Um, yes, or for the pasta course, but that's fine. We should just clear it up now. Thank you. Now, I think I'm going to taste the red now. And right here, this is for our dessert, and then this is for... Also for dessert. So usually so we can how decide. you do it is you go like this. Um, when you're ready to eat. Like this? The fork on the left. And we decide which one we want to use for our dessert? Mm -hmm. It's semi-fredo, so you may want to use both, or just maybe just... And now that's another question, Tanya. Sometimes I don't know. Are you supposed to use the spoon or the fork for the dessert? It's actually with the diamond. It's, okay, that's good to know. You're supposed to be served both. Okay. Yeah, most but most of the times when you go to the events, it's just the fork and then the spoon. Usually, they the spoon that's on the side. I usually think is for the coffee because generally they don't bring like a you know teaspoon with your coffee. So you would use the spoon to stir and mix your creamer and stuff. Is it a smaller spoon? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So you see, we are learning um, yes. things as well. Yes. Thank you, Tanya. Mm -hmm. It's always a to learn something new. Absolutely. Love it. Yep. You know, Linda, what I've learned is that if you don't know something, it's okay to ask. You don't have to be embarrassed. You're absolutely right about that. And you know what? Another thing, it was very important for me to do this podcast because, as I said earlier, I saw some people struggling and I actually helped them, but I helped them really discreetly and I whispered in their ear and they were very gracious that I took the time because I could tell they were fumbling and they were a bit embarrassed. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. If you don't know something, don't be afraid to ask. It's okay. We're human. We're not perfect. We don't know everything, but other people can help us. Thank you so much, Tanya. Everything so was nice wonderful. Thank you. It was delicious. Enjoy Thank your you. day today. Thank you. Thank